welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. coming um do we need to shuffle forward a little bit it's not a stand-up show no one's going to get rinsed for sitting at the front <laughs> any uh, any takers there we go that's better oh, oh, cool. so thank you very much for coming um yeah i really really appreciate it i i've got quite a long list of thank yous, like an Oscar-style thank you list to say at the end, and I won't bore you with it now, but um, yeah, I would like to say thank you very much for coming, and thank you to Chris and Rachel for coming along as well. Um, I put 60 tickets on sale, and they all sold out, so that's awesome, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm really, really chuffed, and all the money, if anyone doesn't know, all the money is going to the, the Open Door charity, which are based here in the Blue Building, and they do some really wonderful work in the young people's mental health space and the local community and it's really really important and i really wanted to support that um and i think the idea that we've sold 60 tickets i think is quite i've been thinking about that a lot this week because it's like a tuesday and it's cold and dark and it's raining and we've got 60 people to come down to birkenhead to chat about mental health and I think that's really powerful because mental health's supposed to be that thing that no one wants to talk about, right? It's supposed to be that thing that we can't say. And one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons why people don't like to talk about it, but one of the reasons is because they're scared that people don't want to listen. And then here we have it, it's like 60 people are coming out on a Tuesday to listen to people talk about mental health. And I just think that's really, really, um, yeah, really, really lovely, I suppose. And I just wanted to, to reference that um, and yeah, this is really surreal because I normally record this like <laughs> sitting on the floor in my bedroom on a little cushion and um, yeah, and a lot of people have been asking me this week like am I nervous and I feel okay about it, I'm not that nervous but then I was thinking today that I suppose suppressing my emotions and saying I'm fine when I'm not kind of got me into this mess in the first place and now I have to with a with a podcast about mental health but there we go but no thank you very much for coming um we're gonna get Rachel up first I think you coming up mate you're gonna come and have a chat yeah Welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Thank you. How are you, mate? Great. I am great, actually. You are great? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, good. Cool. Good mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I, I read your book, right? Mm. And I, I, didn't, I really didn't know where to start with this <laughs> chat this evening. Whenever you um, like. Yeah, so we're just going to jump straight in. But you're, you're local girl, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Babington. Yeah? Yeah. Babington. And I thought, let's skip a bit and go straight to Japan. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. Yeah? Let's go for it. But was it, am I right, thinking that it was dancing that took you over to Yeah, it was, yeah, originally, yeah. And was that like a lifelong um, passion when you were younger? Is that no, I wanted to be Bette Midler. I wanted to be an actress, um, but I was rubbish. Um, I had a stammer, a really, really bad stammer. So I did go to a drama school. Oh, sorry. So I did go to a drama school, and, um, no, I did go to a drama school. I went to Ports on Mike Players. That's not a drama school. And um, I did a play, and I was absolutely crap. Um, had to snog somebody really, really gorgeous on stage. Um, and that just 
that was it. I, I couldn't do it again. So I was rubbish. Um, but I was a good dancer. I wasn't trained. And I used to go to London every weekend with a friend who was trained. And I'd get chucked out of Pineapple Studios straight away because they'd asked me to do a ponty shanty wanty ponty across the floor. And I'd like, what the f what? <laughs> so I'd have to get out because I couldn't do that. And then I'd watch. And by the time they got down to the final 20 and they're all doing funky and this and that, I'm like, hey, I can do that. But I never got to that point. So I ended up ringing a studio myself and saying, look, I'm a really good dancer. I can't um, do a pirouette, but I don't think they do pirouettes in Japan and, and all these night, you know, it was nightclubs, cruise ships, so it was cabaret. So I just went down to Manchester and danced my little sock cloth and got a job in Singapore. And then from your first job, you don't need to audition again, especially if you're great. <laughs> I wasn't that great, I was a bit shy, but got the gift of the gab. So while all this is going on, mate, while you're, you're dancing your way to Japan, mm -hmm. what's happening with your mental health? Have you been ill at this time? Or anything, uh, no, I was okay. Yeah. Well, I've been a disturbed child, but I didn't think I was disturbed. I was just one of these kids who um, I was always wanting, 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 always needing approval. So I was the class clown, and I was um, not very confident deep down inside, but I was the one that made everybody laugh. And um, I was the kid who... You know, once Rachel realises she's not here to win a popularity contest, we'll get along a lot better. And um, so that was what it, what what it was like in school. Mm. And when you get older, you realise who the shit teachers were because they used to say to me, "Can't you be more like your sister?" And my sister's great, but she was quite quite academic. Whereas there's the odd teacher who um, could see my little strong points, so I was encouraged to do the Duke of Edinburgh awards and dancing and stuff. So. And yeah. I don't think at 14, 15, 16, you know what you want. I didn't. I was just a bit potty. <laughs> so I'm a bit potty. <laughs> so when did mental health or mental ill health start to um, enter the picture with you? Well, I went, I got my very first contract dancing in um, Japan, but we went to Hong Kong to rehearse. And whilst I was in Hong Kong, my dad had gone in for an operation, um, a very simple routine operation and um, unfortunately it had gone wrong and um, I got a phone call whilst in Hong Kong to fly home and my dad died a week later and he had, um, it was negligence or it was an accident, whatever you want to say, anyway he died. So that was really crap and I was very, very sad for a very long time and I'm a very, very deep thinker. So from that age of nine, well it was a week after my 20th birthday that dad passed away and from then on, I thought life was shite. And what is the point in living to have this horrific pain? Have I got to live for the rest of my life feeling this horrible pain? What's the, what's the point in that? But obviously time does heal. But it took me a good 10 years really to accept that. I mean, I believed he was coming back. I believed there was, I believed there was a mistake. So it was a, it was a spiral, it was, a, it was an ongoing people. Um, I believe I had mental health problems since I was a kid. And I did, because I was diagnosed at 50 with ADHD. And I just went, oh, God, yeah. Everything kind of Absolutely. makes sense with that yeah, diagnosis. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I had lots and lots of um, knock-on. And I married a Japanese man who was cruel. Um, so it was lots and lots and lots and lots of things that happened. Yeah. That took me down, 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 down. Yeah, sure. Because you actually ended up, and it says in the book that you were you were kind of like trapped in Japan for a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he um, stole my passport, stole my money. Um, he lied. He was, he was also an alcoholic. I didn't know that. Um, and we, be we basically, I met him. I was with him for two and a half years before we got married, and he was the little bit of difference that was going to make me settle down. You know, what I mean, I was never going to just do the normal, which I really, really wish I'd done the normal, but I didn't. And um, I, you know, so I was, so I was together for two and a half years. I lived out there, so I knew everything. He was very, very Western, and we were together for a long time. And then I, and then he asked me to get married. And I said, "Oh, I really would like to get married. I would marry you, but I'm never going to leave Eng England. All these, you know, I've been to Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Japan, all these fantastic places. But Bevington is the place to be. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to leave West Kirby Marine Lake. I wasn't going to leave all my places in no way. 
I will come and live in Eng England. So that was basically why I said, yes, I'll marry him. So I married him. And straight after we got married, he said he had to go back to Japan because he had this massive business, which he did. And I'm going to go back to the business. I'm going to sort it all out with my brother and then I'll be back. And six months later, he still hadn't come back and I'd moved to London on my own to try and find a place, you know, somewhere where he could fit in and get a job. And um, I ended up going to Japan because he said, I tell you what, you come to Japan and we'll both fly home by Christmas. And two and a half years later, I was still there. Wow. So yeah. like a, almost like a hostage situation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sounds like there's like a just a series of quite big events. Unfortunate events. That, yeah, that just kind of like chipped away and chipped away and mm. chipped away at your, your mental state. And that's exactly what it was. And at the time, I didn't really think, I mean, I felt, I knew, I felt absolutely wretched. I felt sick. I felt ill. I would be locked upstairs. And it was his birthday and I'd hear all the trucks going out of this. We lived in like just a big house. How you can imagine the Japanese house is sort of made of lovely sandpaper, surrounded by paddy fields, and I'd see them all going off out, and I'd be in the bedroom upstairs by myself when it was his birthday, and they were all going off to celebrate, and I'm like, it's whatever. And, um, oh, Yeah, so that's heavy, made. right? Yeah, that's heavy. So yeah. a lot to, lot to take on. How did you get out of that situation? Because I'm a, I, I ended up teaching English as a foreign language. Can you imagine me teaching English, but I did. It was really, really good. And they all, the first word they all learned was knob. <laughs> knob head. And, um, and um, yeah, so I did that, and I, and, I, and I met a really nice person, a, a young girl called, well, she was my age, so we were, we were young at the time, and I really, um, her parents ended up helping me get out, because what I had to do was I had to leave him. I remember being trapped in the house, well, not trapped, uh, he, he'd gone to work, and his mother, and all his sisters, and all the neighbours, everybody had come into the house, um, and he'd been very, very cruel at this point. And um, they told me to sit down and then they said to me, you need to make him happy because he's not happy. Your job is to make him happy, so you must give him a baby. And I was like, mm. in England we have babies when we're happy. You know, I'm not gonna give him a baby to make him happy, happy because he's a miserable shite and I'm the one that's unhappy. So anyway, escape. So what I did, I, I, um, I left. I didn't go home one time after work and I basically sofa hopped for a while. But, like I said earlier on, I was being watched basically. So wherever I went, he knew where I was. And then I eventually collapsed, wasn't very well, confided in a friend in England who told me more. Cut long story short, I came home, but he arrived home on my doorstep three weeks after me. Wow, so he followed you back? Mm -hmm. With an interpreter. Okay. Um, a bit late. Maybe um, <laughs> <laughs> you just misunderstood it. Yeah, well, well, yeah, and he said, oh, sorry, sorry, I know, I, I, I will be an English gentleman. I said, I didn't marry an English bloody gentleman, I married a bloody Japanese fella. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't want, I, blah, blah, blah. So, in my head, because I was too concerned about what other people thought about me, because I know that somebody had said, an auntie had said in the background, oh, but dad was a wife, she wouldn't be um, that was never gonna work, never gonna work. And um, so I had to, I, I sort of, I stayed in Japan for two and a half years so that I could say I tried. And even after, well, our wedding night, he became horrid. Um, and then I thought, right, well, if I um, have, have a go in, in England with him, I'll say for a month, I know I'm not gonna stay with him, but at least if I do it, I can say, well, I've tried in England as well. So shut up. And I think I lasted three weeks and I woke up in the middle of the night with my pyjamas on and I got on my bicycle and I cycled from Chester to Spittle. Let me in, mum, mum! And that was it. That was it, done. That was it, yeah. yeah. Never seen him since. Really, yeah? Nope. Wow. I haven't got a clue where he is. Do I give a shit? <laughs> so how do you pick yourself back up? Marriage. Is this where running enters the picture? Well, I got married again. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you'd read the book properly without skipping pages, you would have known. Well, I have read all of the book, but, yeah. um, you know, we, we're, in, uh, we're only here for a few hours. <laughs> what time's the bar open till? 
God, just tell me to shut up. I told you. If no, I go no, like that. You go for the eye, but I want to hear about husband number two now. Okay, so husband number two. I'm sorry. So he, I've known him for years. Boy next door, literally, number 12. I was number one. And um, known him for years, and he was lovely. He, he was a oh, nice guy. And then I married him, and um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, lay into him because um he's the father of my three wonderful children the japanese one is nowhere around you'll never ever hear from him but my other one who's trevor in the book um, um he he's local and um he was just very 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 controlling um really coercive behavior and what i didn't realize was because um, I'm quite a strong, tough cookie, really. I always have been, but I'd already been sort of knocked down. And it would just be very, very simple little things. Like, uh, so basically, he was five years younger than me. I'm 52. He, um, so I married him sort of, whatever, 15 years ago. But he was very, very old-fashioned, like women. He used to say, my feet, size seven, far too big, because I couldn't get near enough to the kitchen sink. And stuff like that, thinking it was funny. Um, not very um, tactile or emotional, and, and I would be cooking, and he would come in and sort of have a look at the gas, and just walk back out again, and never ever said um, the food was nice. I'd say, oh, do you enjoy your meal? Fuck yourself next time, knobhead. You know, and it, it was always like that, and then it was a friend of his who said, oh yes, sorry. I used to be very paranoid about my weight really, really paranoid, because I used to be a dancer, we used to eat dust and smoke 40 facts. So, obviously, three children, lots and lots of food and all that kind of stuff, I put quite a lot of weight on, three C-sections, um, I still blame that now. <sighs> and um, I, um, his friend said to me, and I put four stone on, so I didn't like myself, I hated myself, and I was also in an extremely controlled, coercive marriage. And um, one of his friends said to me, Rachel, one on the street, just pound the street, you'll lose weight. And I ran, 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 and within a year, I had lost four stone. But that was great. But what happened to me mentally? So I have been in the Priory. I've been in Clatter Bridge, psychiatrist, psychologist, mental breakdowns, um, vacant episodes, psychotic episodes, everything you can think of, I've been there. I've been in the gutter and nothing helped me. So I'm not saying that counsellors and psychiatrists and all of these don't help because I'm sure they help a lot of people, but it didn't help me because I would go into a room and I would tell them how I felt. And you probably noticed I talk quite a lot. So I can talk to my friends, I'll talk to a stranger. I didn't need to go and talk to a fella with loads of letters after his name and some of my doctor friends, they're really important letters, um, but who hadn't experienced it, and they just tweak with medication. Or they'd say, well, you need to do this, and you, you need to, well, no, they wouldn't even say, you need to do this, you need to do that, just listen. And I, I would go out feeling bloody wretched. Like, oh, I've just lived my life in Japan again, and all that abuse and self-harm. Um, and now I've got to get over that, and I've got to go back next week. So it, it just didn't work. I found running, I'm not going to say cured me, but showed me the way by accident. And I ran, and I, I'd ran, and I ran, and I ran, and um, everyone in the neighbourhood was going, oh my God, look at you, Forrest, go. People got me t-shirts saying Forrest, people were noticing. I remember running past Spittle Station and this little guy getting off and saying, I saw you running before in Wallasey. I was going, yeah, that was me. I was running, I've been running all day. Felt bloody amazing, and then the people who were close to me, my mum was like, oh, my little Ray Sunshine, she's coming back, sparkling in her eyes, all of that. And um, I found it by accident, and I'm very, very, very passionate about it. And I was running around Brimstage, running along the road. You don't have to buy the book now, by the way. <laughs> running along the road towards Thornton Manor. And I was running along, and my dad, it's been gone 32 years now, and I was thinking, oh, Jesus, Dad, I've run a bloody marathon. I've run a marathon, I've got three kids, and I've run a marathon. And next minute I just went, <laughs> bloody bear start crying at the side of the road like a knob. And uh, actually I don't know how knobs cry, but I, I really, really cried my eyes out. And I just thought, oh my God, and then I felt, 
It sounds like a bit of a Miss World speech, this, and I'm certainly not one of them, but I swear to God, I just thought, oh my shit, there are loads and loads of people out there who must be feeling as crap as I felt a year ago. And I've only done this, and I feel amazing. So, I believe 100%. Did you want to get a word in? Can I just finish? I feel 100% that people who suffer from mental health, and I mean, even if severe mental health, like I am qualified to be one of them people, um, I don't think you'll ever get rid of your depression. It's here for life. You have to learn how to manage it, and you have to learn how to live with it, and you can absolutely do that 100%. You don't let it defeat you, because otherwise you won't be here. You know that. Yeah, very 100% you can manage it. And I've got over 1,000 members now. 1,000 members. And when I wrote the book, I didn't want it to be a self-help book. I didn't want it to be boring. This is what you need to do, because everyone's different. But I wanted to, to inspire people. And, um, and just today, so this is just one little example that I'm going to give to you. Mums and has been going now for nearly 10 years. We've got over 1,000 members, and it has, without a doubt, changed people's lives. I've had husbands say to me, oh my God, she's a different person. It has a ripple effect. But just a little, little example. Today, um, there was a post on my Mums to Marathons page, and it just said, I read the book, and I wished I lived in Bevington. So I went on to their local community page. I can't remember where it was. Can you? Newcastle Underline. Newcastle Underline. And it said, um, she posted on her community page, does anybody fancy running? And she said, this is, a, this is a couple of weeks ago. So she now runs on a Monday morning at 7.30 with a lady with a dog. And then she runs in the week, in the evening, with two other ladies. So she now runs in a little group, and she's got new friends, and that for me is like, pain. That's incredible, right? Yeah, I think like quite often when you do something to contribute to like your local community, to give something back, um, that's really beneficial for managing mental health. Mm. You know, and it's so many things you mentioned there about going for runs, that it's not just running, it's going for running with someone you know and talking to someone while you run and getting fresh air and it's the community and proving yourself proving your negative thoughts wrong mm -hmm. by doing something positive mm -hmm. doing something that you didn't think you could do like running a marathon you know these are all other things that are really really good for mental health but they all come from just starting that running yeah and it is 100 percent is is true because i didn't know that was going to happen to me I didn't know that I was going to feel like that. I didn't know that I was going to feel powerful and strong. I didn't know, and in my book, it's not just my voice, there's other voices um, of women who've really, really, really suffered. Um, and they are having a great time, and they've got new friends. My buddy over there, Claire, I mean, she's in the book, had a shit time. But we've summited Kilimanjaro together. We got to the top. We cycled Vietnam to Cambodia together. Leslie over there, we trekked the Sahara Desert together. And I, I remember flying, lying in the desert on the first night, all looking up and going, looking at the Milky Way. And then you could hear, what's crying out? You know, I can't believe we're still out of the desert. You know what I mean? Just awesomeness, just loads and loads and loads of that. Yeah. yeah. And if, if like if when you were in the the depths of it, if someone had said to you, like, not only can you be okay, but you can go on to do these things. My glass is half full. My glass is half full. My life is bloody amazing. It's gotta be. It's gotta be because we've only got one. We have only got one. And uh I'm a I think it's just I mean I think my hyper I'm totally hypo, I don't know whether you notice but I am totally hypo and I remember the psychiatrist saying to me, If you didn't have ADHD you probably wouldn't have done half the things that you have done. But I have this yearning all the time. All the time. But you mentioned before, like, um, when you got that diagnosis, that everything kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. Had that always been in you, that sort of need to do more, that yearning? That always. Oh, my God, yeah. 
Even from a small kid, I never ever felt good enough. I always felt like I had to. Uh, I think that's why I even wanted to be famous. I wanted to be that middle, even though I was shy to acting. But I wanted to be that middle because I had to be. I think I was so afraid of. I think as well. I think as well afraid of death. I know that's like a bit slightly off the thing, you know. But afraid of death. So so from a young age, I really, and then dad dying so young. I think I've just got this massive. Oh my God, I have to fill my boots with loads of stuff. And the, and the one thing I want to say as well is that anybody can do it. So I couldn't run. I was four stone heavier and I ran a mile to the Zumba class. But it's a my first night of Zumba. And I, I was like going to ask about that. Like, <sighs> why did you decide to put running shoes on? Like, why? Do you remember your first run? Yeah. Yeah. I ran because I, I ran. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ran because I was fat. I, so I had my my I had my my ba babies 35, 38, and forty two. To my Harry, it's only ten now. And when I was a dancer, like I say, we always used to be. I used to be in dance groups all over the world, and you'd see people, and we'd meet them, and they go, "Oh, you're stunning, or you're beautiful, or you're so pretty." Oh, do you work out? I think she. If I ever get fat and fucked. <laughs> Sorry, but that's what I used to feel like. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't get fat because if I get fat, I've got nothing. Do you know what I mean? So, 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 and I remember dancing in the pleasure drain before I started going abroad, and people saying to me, "Oh, there she was. Here she is, a dancer with the barmaid's arse." And I'd be like, "Bastard!" So, 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 being skinny was from the age of nineteen. I mean, I did go through a stage of eating Snickers and puking it up for a while because I had to be thin. I had to be thin. Um, and then I nearly choked on the, on the toffee on the snicker, so I give it up. Um, I just started to do dust instead. And um, oh my god, I, I if, if I am just doing much Botox, I do me little me little uh, thing now to, to let me know to jump in. Yeah, yeah jump in because yeah. I forgot the question. Well, well, I'll never spot that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> why did you put running shoes on? Oh yeah, well, that was a question, wasn't it? How did we get the bloody snickers and puking? Um, <laughs> they know. They know. Um, because I basically got fat. I did not put snick a snicker snickers. <laughs> I'll get snickers out of my head. Anyone got a marathon? Um, I, I um, put my trainers on because I put loads and loads of weight on and it was the only way that I was told you can lose your weight by running. So that's why I put, and I, and I was going to Zumba class because Zumba came out. I thought, oh, yeah, I can dance, I can do all that. So I lived in Raby Mere at the time and the Zumba class was in Portland from Primary School, an hour. No, liar, a mile. So off I went, and by the time I got there, I thought, they're not going to let me in, because I look like I'm already dying. But I went in, and it was marvellous. And I, again, was at the front of the class, the clown, dancing, you know, and um, it was brilliant. And I did that, and um, I did that for a good year, alongside running. And, um, and then, so, so that's why I started running, because I was overweight. Yeah. I've continued to run because it's my medication. Yeah, that's why I run now. Yeah. Is a lot of um, a lot of people don't stay with running because when you first start, it's really hard. Eh? Your first few runs are just rubbish, but the first few months, it's really, really, um, really, really tough. Really tough. Yeah. And that's why it's hard for newbies. I have new because we are not a skinny athletic running club. Somebody said before we should call ourselves the Blue Badge Running Club because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many freaking ailments. There really is. Um, you know. Let me just tell you, she's not here yet, and she wouldn't mind me saying anyway. We got a lady who joined us. I mean, we have, we have, we've got people who've once got with problems. When I say problems, ailments. One sitting over there, and uh, well, there's two actually sat side by side. But anyway, one lady joined us. She's in her sixties. She has half a. I don't know whether she's got half a lung. I know she's got half a lung. I don't know whether she's got another one or just half a lung. She's had cancer. She's had her bottom reconstructed. She wears a bag, and she runs. And she runs slow, and she's a big lady. And a couple of weekends ago, we did the rock and roll. Some of us did the half marathon, some of us did the 10K, and some of us did the 5K. And she did the 5K, and she got over the finish line, and she sobbed. And I, wasn't it? And, oh, <laughs> start crying now, emotional wreck. And um, that's it, that's what it's about. You know, she, she didn't feel um, she, anybody can join my club um, as long as you've got legs or even if you've got one. You know what I mean? Anyone can join my club. We are not skinny athletes. 
we are real women. And if you're skinny and you're an athlete, great, you can still join. Because you can get in the bar before we get there and get the gins in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, it's, we're not, we're not in it, we're not like, come on. We high five every kid. We even got Leslie over there who does the Santa Dash and she gets halfway, goes into the pub, drinks brandy and snicks out the back of the, cup, the pub, which is near the finish line. <laughs> And that's why she said she's doing it this year to do that again. So you don't have to, we're not athletes. We're really not. Mm. Well, I think that, that sense of community and coming together is so important, isn't it? Because mm. it's so easy, like without that, it's so easy to just, with modern society how it is, to just be in the house, watching telly. You it's know, you easy. finish work, you go home. And, but to have that, that structure, that somewhere you can go and, you know, I would guess that when people are running next to each other, they get to talk about stuff. They get to, you know, invent a little they bit. They don't get a chance, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. I swear, honestly, I think our club now is no, it's like we've got, yeah, everyone ends up telling their life story because I'm so open and I'm not open. I mean, I do talk a lot. But my my openness has helped people and I don't, I don't, and, and you know what, I'm not, like people have said to me, God, are you really proud you've written a book? And I'm like, no, I just feel dead lucky. I feel dead lucky. I mean, I did have to ring around loads of ghostwriters and beg for them to do it for nothing, because I'm as I'm going to my arse. But I've got a story to tell, and I even said to this, to, you know, I don't want the money for the book. It's not about money. People said to me, it was bestseller. I still don't know how many books we've sold or how much money I've made. No idea. Aren't you going to ring up and ask me? Don't let me know. I've got no idea. Don't give a shit about the money. I mean, it would be nice, but I'll get something at some point. Oh, I've forgotten what I was saying. <laughs> money from the book. Mm. Well, what I'd like to know about the book is what was it like going through churning up everything to get that book written? Because you must have had to... Like, when I talk about stuff that I've experienced when I was poorly, it tends to jump around a little bit. So I'll tell a story from there, a story from there, a story from there, different thoughts as they come up. But to sit down and tell it in order, you know, and to like chronologically, that's like, that's quite intense, right? That's why I couldn't have written it on my own because I could stand up in front of a million people and tell my story and talk. Wouldn't faze me at all. Um, but putting it down on paper, absolutely not a chance. Um, which is why I needed to get a ghostwriter. Um, so it was all done in lockdown, and it was all done FaceTime, and then the other girls, the, the, their voices, they all had a call, and it was all, all done in lockdown. Um, and the strange thing is um, that the Japanese section of the book, I, can't, I kind of, I feel like I've watched a horror film or a really horrible film, and I remember the film, but I've no, got no effect by it. But I've had like breakdowns since then, and I don't know whether that has got anything to anything to do with. I think I've got kids. I've got, I've got to be. I've got to be. I've got to be fine. So, so him. His name is Tommy Hisamiyaki. Um, we just used to call him Max. And he. That is like I've read a book or watched a film. Mm. Nothing. Nothing. If I saw him, I'd knock him out. No ones. Um, but whereas I was going through the book when I was still going through shit from separating from my other husband. Um, well, actually, we've been probably been, 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 been finished. Uh, uh, he got married at the weekend, by the way. Um, but he, he um, I, I had been away from him for sort of three years, but it took me um, five, six years to get any settlement from him. So we were eating from food banks, so we were, we were struggling. Um, so I was still going through that when I was talking about that. So that was a bit hard. Yeah, it's challenging to kind of, yeah, read it when you're trying to... I felt sick actually a lot. Yeah. I didn't feel well a, a, a lot, but then um, just, it's like it kind of, it's done now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And the book's out there. I just need like, loads more shit to happen now to make another. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe something will happen tonight, you know? You never know. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it's gone, actually. I, I'm not, you know, like, I know you're not going to do this, like, but you know when you're kids and something you say I'm getting this and then you don't get it and everyone goes <laughs> well you can do that to me I don't give a shit so it's gone out to loads of producers because we had lots and lots of comments about you know this is gonna um, this could be a fantastic um, British film really a great 
British film has got to be understood. So, so the script's been written and it has gone out to um, several producers and they are, um, and there's, a, there's a few that are interested. Wow, so it could go big screen. <laughs> it might. What's, who said that one? You never know, oh, I can do Netflix, I can do Channel Dave, anything. No, do you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because Channel Dave, is that, is that, that that's QIN or that shit, isn't it? No, I, um, it doesn't matter, even if it doesn't go to a film. People have said to me, I was talking about this today, because I met this guy on POF, we've been chatting, and um, he's a runner, he's a runner. And um, we've just been chatting, and actually he's got quite a lot in common, because he's got three kids all the same age as mine. Might have a coffee, not sure yet. But anyway, oh shit, why did I tell you that? Oh yeah, oh no, forgot why I told you that. Yeah, I don't know why you told me that, to be quite honest. What's pop? Well, when somebody said to me, when I was chatting about it, I said to them, what's pop? And they said, you're not bad, it's plenty of fish. And I was actually on plenty of fish, and I asked them what pop was. Right, okay, yeah, I didn't know what pop no, was. No, I didn't, well, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah I know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's my wife. That's where I pop, met yeah. you, wasn't it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 wasn't. Um, no, if I could just really, really, if I could just think what I was going to say because it was really relevant. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I mean, no, I did say that. I'm sorry. I hope I haven't made your ears bleed. And he said, he said no. He said it's plenty. It's better than having plenty of. Because um, we ended up talking today. He said better than having all these awkward silences. And I said, listen, if I put the phone down and you don't get in touch, I know why, and I'm all right with that. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we cleared that up. The other one. Don't go on pop. These people on pop should be on bloody Tinder. They're dead naughty. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I don't know about Tinder. So, how did you go from running on your Tinder own to, sorry, to Zumba? <laughs> running on your own to Zumba. How did you go from there to how did the community start to build from there? Because um, I, I was getting fitter and fitter and slimmer and there was lots of lovely, lovely people in the community saying, oh Rachel, you've done so well, you've done, you've done great. And then I did London Marathon, so so I um, I did London Marathon for um, Clare House, because I knew a few people whose children had passed away at Clare House. And um, so I decided, yeah, well actually I did, ha I did a half marathon first and then people said to me, oh, should I sponsor you for it? And I said, oh, I haven't thought about that. Clare House came in, that's it. Did London. But I'd had so much lovely local support, like people did buy me t-shirts saying Forest, and um, lots of people were really kind. And so they gave me confidence, they gave me power back. Um, so, so it got to the point where I would do anything in the house to, to not have a confrontation, where it came to that if he came and turned the gas down, I'd go, <laughs> turn it back up again. And he'd load the music and whack it back up there again. So I got more and more and more confident, eventually left. And um, and the bit that I said earlier on about I'd done London and I was run down in Thornton Hoof and had this epiphany and started crying. I went home and I blogged about it, or vlogged, or whatever you do, one of those things. And I just poured my heart out, basically, telling people um, how I felt. So I didn't really say, oh, he did this and he did that. I just said, this is how I feel. I am. Um, I was in the gutter. I was ready to call it a day. Um, and I started running. And this is how I feel now. So you too can feel like me. And and that's what happened. I picked lots and lots of people got in touch with me. I never knew all these here. These are all my best friends. And I didn't know them ten years ago. And people just got in touch with me. Oh, I did a new Emma. Sorry, Emma. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I grew up with Emma. We lived in the same place in Justin Cruz. And uh, and. And um, I, and then and then I got a telephone call about you know uh, I went on a Divine Open Call show and then I was and then you know the guys you know put me forward and I was on Lorraine Kelly and been and then and then of course people get to know your name or if or you can get on telly for not on these days you know oh I know some girl who's a bit loop de loop do you want to speak to her hey. all right so I no, I was getting calls at like can you come on you know. Breakfast TV. See, Breakfast TV live is a giveaway, isn't it? That's live. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, 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 if you put your name into Google, the first thing that comes up is Lorraine on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. You didn't oh, talk no, this, this much on this, Lorraine. This was a different appearance. This wasn't that one. Right, this okay. was This was uh, actually at Breakfast TV live on the couch at half seven in the morning. Right. And the thing they must have thought I was thick. 
because I got there and I'd already had my hair done by less. I even had a leather boots that looked great. And then I got there and they were sort of messing around with my makeup again and making me look a bit more like bloody Pam Ayers. And, um, and I said, so when, when will it go on air? <laughs> they said it's live. I said, shit, I'm waffle. What happens if I get the question? <laughs> and, um, and then I just had to say to myself, look, Rach, you know what you're talking about. Even if people don't think that you do. I know what I'm talking about. Just concentrate, listen to the question and answer it. Beginning, middle and end. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I generally get through it. I've done loads of radio. And I'm, I'm always saying, you know, it never seen again. It's because, right, I used to be an, what was I? I was a, an analytical, I was an, 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 an analyst in America, so I taught people how to be analytical, with analytical skills, okay? I did, but I haven't got that. I'm, I, you asked me to go and organise a trip to bloody Zimbabwe, off we go, but you asked me to, to I'm organised chaos now, and I think what's happened with, I think, well, how could I, how could I, all those years ago, do that? This was a bit of section in my life that was too boring to put in the book. But I, um, how could I have done that? Because obviously the more stress and the more shit you have and the more, and obviously the older you get and menopause and all that crap. Mm. Mm. I, can't really, I can't really blame on, on the baby brain anymore. I have to admit that it's menopausal years and that's, what, um, that's what's thinking with me brain. But I never used to be like that. But the, oh shit, I'm again. But the more shit you have, the worse my brain has become. Messy. But I like me. <laughs> Does running help you to organise your thoughts? Absolutely. You'd think it wouldn't, you'd think being on your own, you'd have, you'd, oh, but I don't. I put my music in and I go and I can run and run and run. I went for a run the other day and I was knackered and I think I've done about nine miles and next minute, one of me, and I just got to my house and thought, oh, thank God for that. And then one of my favourite songs come on. Did I finish that song? Loved it, and then another one came on. So, for me, it is amazing. I love running with the girls. I wouldn't, if somebody said to me, you've got a choice. Because with the girls, what happened is, Monster Marathons was created, got over a thousand members. What I do now is I generally run with the newbies. I've got my qualified leaders. Um, and I generally, even Rachel over here, I set up a group in Manchester, and Rachel was the leader in Manchester. Yay! See, I'm an absolute knob. Because I had a place, I had a group in Manchester, I had a group in Chester, Ellesmere Port, Bevington, Port Sunlight, very close, but still had two, um, Prenton, Morton, and Wallasey. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. Because, because I had no money, I thought. And um, Monster Marathons is non-for-profit, so I don't take any money now, no, no one pays, but I was charging three pounds a session when I first began. And I set up all these groups, because I had no money, we were eating from food banks, but I ran myself into the ground pneumonia, ended up in hospital, so brought it all back home. Um, what did you ask me? <laughs> I'm not even sure myself, Rachel. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll just get, think, think, think. I'll just ask you something else instead. Uh, does anybody else here know what I was saying? Because they might be really interested in the answer or they might be asleep. <laughs> No. no. Go on, Tom. No. What's next? Well, I suppose that's a good question. What is next? What have you got more plans for Monster Marathons? What's what's going on? Um, I don't really. I don't think I can. I can't. There's nothing more that I can do now. I, I, platforms, anything like this is great for me because um, I can spread the word and I can say, you know, it it does it does work. I just want to help people, and I know that does sound like really, um, but I swear to God, I just feel that, um, you know, for somebody like me who's like dead cool and trendy, to say, <laughs> what are you laughing at, Rach? To say, I'm here to help people just sounds pathetic. It sounds like, oh, what a tit. But I really, really would, I want anybody who wants to do it just to, just, just to, just to come to me. There's a, there was a girl who came on Facebook today and said, I, I've had a baby, da da da, and lots of little problems, but I can't run at night time. So from next week, I'm going to be running with her on a Tuesday and a Thursday morning. Okay, that's another two. But I don't care, because um, I just want to help people, because the thought of anybody suffering when actually, 
I know I can't help everybody. I know that. I'm not. I'm, I can't. Some people, you know, that the people want need to have help, and some people don't want to run. But we've got walking groups too, and it's not about the running. My group, our group, is not about the running. It's about we are family. I swear to God, we really, really are. And you could get any of those girls up and ask them any questions, and they probably and they tell you. And if they didn't, I'd knock them out. Actually, I wouldn't, because I'm, I'm not even, um, I'd get Leslie to knock them out. She's a scouser in the, in, the, in the book. She's the hard one. Well, keep an eye on them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just really, really passionate about it. So, so what's next? Nothing bigger, nothing better. Just to keep going, just to keep going. And, you know, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a lovely, a lovely plan. I think that need to... Um, that need to help, that need to give back, that's so cool. Because it's free. Yeah, and when people have experienced something, right? When you've been through Everyone. something, you want to kind of, yeah, you come out the other side, mm. and if you, you just feel like you need to contribute some way to the... I know. did feel like, I truly, truly felt that um, that I did have a proper epiphany in that road in Thornton Walk when I started crying. I really believe 100% or epiphany or runner's rush, whatever it is, because I did not expect Ever. I remember thinking, God, life shit, I'm never going to feel okay again. It was impossible. Doctors, medication, everything, I'm never, ever going to feel okay. And I feel more than okay now. And I'm not saying that I never have a down day. And I'm not saying that sometimes I don't get up, drop the kids off at school and go back to bed. I'm not saying that. But it's okay, because everyone has a shit day. Because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get my trainers on, or my walking shoes, or I'm going to go and have a coffee with my mate. Um, yeah, I love that, mate. That's such a beautiful way of, um, of putting it. That's why we have these conversations. That's why it's important to talk, isn't it? You know, we're not trying to change the world. You know, it's just to let people know that relatability is huge. When you put that first fa Facebook um, post up, you know, the reason people reached out to try is because people can, you know, we all break in different ways, right? But we all experience the same stuff regardless of how we broke. So mm -hmm. people read that and they relate to it and yeah. they think, well, it worked for her. She can do it. I can do it. And there's I think so a lot much of power people, in that. dead quickly, because I know I've got to get off because I know you're coming on in a sec. Very, very quickly. One of the things that I learned very, very early on is that it doesn't matter what your problem is. So I remember sat, sitting in the primary, being in there with all these women and they were sitting there and one by one we were going around in a circle, you know, one lady. She, had, she was pregnant with twins and her mum and dad both died in a car crash and her husband left her. And I thought, shit, I shouldn't be here. God, that's awful. And then the next person would be, I got bullied in work. I'm thinking, oh, well, sit back up again. Sort of, you know, more than that. And, you know, and honest to God, I swear to God, it doesn't matter if you have lost your goldfish or you've lost your dog or your cat or your mum or your dad or your husband or your wife or your best friend or none of that couldn't be might not be that it might be a, a man in an abusive relationship or a woman it doesn't matter we are all in that black black hole um and how you got there doesn't matter but we're all in that same hole we all feel the same for whatever reason and some reasons to some people might think oh get a grip and some people might oh jesus yeah how have how have have you but it doesn't matter because we're all in that same little black hole it's a very human experience, isn't mm. it? Very, very human. And I really love that, actually. It's really important to talk about because there is no scale in mental Absolutely health. Not. There is no comparison. Um, I mean, I, I talk about this a lot, but I actually, um, I planned um, to take my own life. Mm -hmm. And I had a date mm -hmm. and I had everything in place. Um, and I've done that twice. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen. And for a long time, particularly after the first time, I didn't talk about it because I thought, well, I planned it, but it didn't happen. And there's people out there who tried it, and they like woke up in an ambulance or stuff like that. So how can I talk about my experiences when all these people had it so much worse? And then I felt embarrassed because I'd had a really nice life. You know, not, there's no trauma in my life. There's nothing like nothing be, go, going on. But it doesn't have to be. But that's what stopped me from speaking out for so so long was because I would compare my pain to other people's and goes well theirs is so much worse so like what have i got to moan about you know so it's always important it, it's just relative isn't it because when you're in it when you're in that moment it nothing else matters when you're in the pits of something nothing else matters you cannot see anything right and it doesn't matter how like you say how you got there um, i think that's such a wonderful wonderful point rachel i think you put that fantastically yeah. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> I, I'm going to chuck this on your lap now, but um, how do you feel about Q&A? If anyone wants to ask you a question. Fine with that. Does anyone want to ask Rachel a question? You lot, shut up. Right, so... Get out and shut up. I'll um, give you my mic. We're going to have to adjust one of these. I don't, I don't think you've actually mentioned yet what the book is. You, know, you keep mentioning the book. Okay. I don't know what the book is. Okay. I want to know what the book is. Okay. It's a great book. It sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a book called, it, the book's called Marathon Mum. It's not about running a marathon. It's not, it's not um, as I, say, I said earlier on, it's not a self-help book. It's, it, it's a novel and it will make you, and men have said, said to me, they've laughed, they've cried, and it's, basically like kind of like a calendar girl so it's it's a feel good but there are uh, and it has inspired people so i said that when i did it I, I don't want it to be a self-help book but i want it to help people and that's what it is so it was published in um march on march the 4th and within two weeks it was best seller Right, it's not anymore. No, it was bestseller on, um, and actually bestseller just means that I might have sold 20 in that week and somebody else only sold one. So it's not that great, but it's really good to say bestseller. I had a bestseller, can you believe that? So, yeah, so you can get that on, um, you can get it on Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smiths. I would advise now that you've heard me speak, do not get it on audio. <laughs> Because, not because, 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 because of the wonderful, because she, um, she sounds like she's from Birmingham. Oh, well, someone else read it? Yeah. Really? Don't know why they didn't ask me to read it. How rude! Who, who got to pick your voice double? I didn't even know we had an audio book. Really? So that's just out someone else being... Somebody that just messaged me on my website and said, oh, just listen to your audio book, it's fantastic. So obviously it's fantastic if you haven't heard me talk. But if you, if you have heard me talk, you'll go, I'm not like it. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued now. I wanna, I wanna, if, I do don't, one do, of, don't. if I do another one of these, I might fetch I don't even know. A, I don't even know a name. Right. So I didn't even know until somebody messaged me. So, so don't do that, but you can download it on Kindle. And, and I think... I've read it, it's very good. I um, highly recommend it. It's lovely how you have the, the chapters from the other, the other girls over and stuff here. like that. That's really, really nice touch. I've not seen that in a in that sort of book. And we do have to make another one because we've got new members now with oh, shit stories to tell. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, hopefully we'll never run out of shit stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh mate. Well I enjoyed that so much, Rachel. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your time. I really, really appreciate Lots it. Of throat throat now. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> go and have a drink. If you want to know more about Rachel, she is available on plenty of fish. <laughs> no, I'm coming off, I'm coming off it, shanks. There's so many weirdos and scammers, honestly, I don't like it. Don't! And anyway, if you do, my name's Kit. <laughs> I don't even know why I chose Kit! <laughs> but I did. Oh, thank you, mate. Whack that on the table. Just, yeah, chop that down there. Mental podcast. Please like and subscribe. The space time.